Good morning. Well, thanks for being here today. If you are here for the first time, we are in the fourth week of a series called Catalyst. And Catalyst is the journey that God is calling us to go on as a church. You picked a perfect time to find out more about LifePoint because what you're going to hear through this Catalyst message that has lasted for four weeks now is what we believe God is calling us to do as a church and be as a church. And as we go into the future and we become his change agents, it's what a catalyst is. It's a substance that causes change and we want to be that for God. We want to be that for God in the area of our church, our church family, as we continue to welcome people in and connect even more people with him and from what our kids are doing over there to what you experienced from the time you walked in the parking lot to the people who are in our Connect class right now, just checking out more about our church and how they can get connected. We want to do all of that better, more effectively, and on an even deeper level. Catalyst also means being a change agent in our community. In just a few months, right down the street, on the left, if you're going towards Capitol Boulevard on Durant Road, is our permanent facility, our first permanent facility for this location. And starting next week, I'm going to start to give you some updates on what's going on and some dates and what we think might be a completion date uh, and, and what we're going to pray for is a completion date that we can get in that building and we walk in and, and, and there's going to be thermostats on the wall where we can set the temperature, whatever we want it to be, as cold or as hot. But even more than that, we're building a place right down the street that's not just for us, it's for the community. And there's some very creative ways that many of you have come to me and come up with ways we can use that in a creative way to let the community know this is your building too. And we're going to be doing that and sharing that with you over the next few weeks. Also at our facility down on Western Boulevard, we're doing some things there to use that to reach the community and our downtown location, doing that as well to reach the community even more. Catalyst is about more than just changing our family and our community. It's about changing our world. And if you were here last week, you saw a video from a pastor in Ecuador that I got to meet with when I was down there and talk about how LifePoint's going to be involved in helping him plant his church, helping him build his building, and helping him reach even more people. He's already reaching about 600 people a week on a street, and we're going to help him build a building. If you weren't here last week, please take a minute, go to catalyst.lifepointchurch.com, take a look at, uh, click on the video link, and look at Pastor Javier's message to us at LifePoint. We also would like for you to go out to the info booth and pick up these two things. I'll talk more about these in a minute. This is the written form of what Catalyst is all about, just a quick overview, a little message from me in the front of there, and this is the commitment card that we're asking everybody to bring back next week. Because in order to achieve this Catalyst vision, to be God's change agents in our community, or in our family, in our community, in our world, it's going to take 100% buy-in from the people who call LifePoint home, from the people who call LifePoint Church their church home. It's going to mean that 100% of us has to say, the best financial investment I can make and will get me the best return on anything else I could do is an investment financially in this catalyst vision that's going to ultimately help more and more people get connected with God. For some of you, that means stepping into tithing for the first time, bringing back 10% of your income to God. That's what the Bible says to do. And many of you have never done that. You've never enjoyed that. And I'm hearing more and more people say, hey, we're going to start doing that. And just stepping across that line and saying, we're going to be tithers to our church family. For some of you, it means much more than that because you've already been doing that year after year after year faithfully. But more importantly, it means all of us buying into this vision of where we believe God is leading our church. 
in the future. And as we've talked about generosity over the last few weeks, we found out that generosity is not about what God wants from us. We think that a lot of times, like, well, God wants money from me. No, generosity is about what God wants for you. And if you don't write anything else down today, write that down. Generosity is not about what God wants from me. It's about what God wants for me. And every week we've been teaching through the reasons to be generous and ways to be generous so we can all enjoy what God has for us. There's a verse in the New Testament. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep. You can follow along on the screen. The page numbers are on there as well. Or you can just borrow it and leave it in the back on your way out. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we're counting on God through this catalyst season of our church for the next 24 months to do more than we can ask or imagine, just like he has in many of your lives and what he's done in the past. Well, I am a sentimental person. Anybody else sentimental? Like, like your kid makes you something. Oh, I've got on my wall, one of my girls one day said, Dad, don't, don't ever forget that God's with you and you can do it. She was like, Molly was like eight years old and wrote that. It's in a frame on my wall because she overheard a conversation of Sin and I where I was having some confidence issues about something and she went home and made that. It's on my wall and it's priceless. You couldn't buy it. And I got, I got an attic full of stuff the kids have made for me. And you can probably identify with that. Hey, you're sentimental. And there's things, my, my dad has handed things down to me and I it's hard to get rid of those things. I have a, an item at my house, in my garage, that's a, it's an apple butter stirrer. But it belonged to my great-grandmother about the turn of the century. And it just looks like a, metal, or a wooden hoe or wooden shovel. It's got holes drilled in it. It's just where she's out in their yard in the country making apple butter. It's sentimental. It, it, you know, when I see that, I never knew my great-grandmother, but I feel like I do when I see that hanging on my wall at my house. All of us have sentimental attachments to things. I have, I have some kidneys. Everybody got kidneys? You do, you, obviously you're here. And if you haven't had any medical issues, you got two of those. And, and I've got two. And if, if something happened to where Cinda or the girls needed one, I would give it up like that. I, without a second thought. If it was anybody beyond them, I would have to think about it a little bit. And I'd probably do it anyway, but, I would, but for my family, it would just no thought about it because I value them being healthy even more than I value me being healthy. I value them being taken care of even before I value me being taken care of. And if we think about the things that we have, we will give them up when we value what we're giving to more. If you come into my house, on our back hallway, there's plates lined across the back hallway that goes out in the garage, and, and they're just ceramic plates, and they, they're not particularly artistically done, but as you walk down the hallway, you see the plates that I've done with the girls as they've grown. From the time they can barely hold a brush in their hand, we did these plates on their birthday, and we would put daddy and, and the girl and Abby or Molly and then we put the date and the birthday for them and on the back we write things like the year we we forgot for three months and then we came and did it you know we just it's very sentimental things hang you know they're very sentimental to me and if you came to my house and you said I'll give you lots of money for these I would think well 
It's going to have to be lots before I stop valuing these things. There may be a point where I would say, you know what, girls, let's take a picture. And we can, we can look at the picture and remember them. When we start to value what we're going to give something to more than what we have, we're ready to do something big. And that something big is called sacrifice. Sacrifice is not easy. It's not natural. From the time a child is this tall, they make sure they got their stuff, right? Our now 14-year-old, the first word out of her mouth was not mommy or daddy. It was mine. And she, I've got a video camera of her walking through the house. Everything we would touch, she would say, mine. Who's is this? Mine. Mine. Every, it didn't matter what it was. It was hers. Some people grow up and they never stop saying mine, 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 mine. And trying to hold on to things like this is mine and nobody else's. But God wants to move us to a place where there are things in life that we can give to. To show that we value what we're giving to more than what we have. And I will become a sacrificial giver when I do just that. When I value what I'm giving to more than what I possess. Now, it's a progression. Since we're taught from a young age to have our stuff, we got our room, our drawers, our stuff, our place in the bathroom, our place in the kitchen, you know, our stuff. I got my stuff in our kitchen. It's like, that's mine. Don't eat that. Stay away from it. It's daddy's special stash. And they don't even know where some things are because I have to hide it. We've all got our stuff. And so it's a progression of learning how to be sacrificial. Now, if you're here for the first time, just, just let me just, just listen to me for a second. You first timers or you're just checking out our church or you haven't been here through this whole catalyst season. Now, this is a time where you could say, well, of course he's talking about money. It's church, honey. It's exactly what I said would happen if we visited a church. They talk about money. So cross this one off the list till we find one that doesn't. I understand there's a risk every time we bring up you giving your resources to your church. I realize there's a risk that you're going to think, yep, that's all they care about. That's all they want to know about. But you would may be surprised to know that Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he even talked about prayer. Than he talked about marriage. The reason he talked about those things so much, and the reason if you're, if you're here for the first time, just stick with me and listen to this and consider, and it's not, a, it's not something that just happens overnight. It's a process that we all have to go through to love things and our stuff less in order to be generous and make a big difference in the world. But Jesus talked about it so much because he knew the hold it could have on us. He knew how we could put our trust in stuff rather than in him and it's a journey it's a journey to get from the place where your stuff is your stuff and keep you know you want me to keep my hands off your stuff and the church keep its hands off your stuff and hey it's your stuff and you'll decide and leave me alone it takes a while to get from that attitude to the attitude I see so many people have that is like hey God bless me with it and if it can make a difference in my church family then yes I'm going to give it that's a process And it takes a while to get there. And it looks different for everybody. Anybody in here spontaneous? Like, you you don't even know what you're doing for lunch today? But then you're maybe married to somebody that's like, they're really worried because you haven't decided where you're going to lunch? Anybody? I mean, I'm a pretty spontaneous person. Well, I'm a very spontaneous person. Now, God balanced that out with giving me a a wife that, that is 
that balances my spontaneity out. I mean, I can remember her saying, I'm, well, when I would say, what attracted you to me? Oh, it's your spontaneity. So I was like, I'm going to turn it up then. You know, I'm not going to, what are we doing today? I have no idea what we're doing today. You know, we're just going to plan it along the way. We've actually got in our car, got on the interstate with it packed up, going on vacation, and then talk about where we're going. Now, for some of you, that's like, oh, man, that's freedom. For some of you, it's like, that is not a vacation. That's horrible. Not knowing where, are you crazy? After first service, somebody came out and said, we're that couple. She's been wanting for years just to jump in the car and go. And I'm like, no, we're not doing it. We got to plan it out. We got to know where we're standing. Now, it has caused us to have to sleep in the van at a rest stop a couple times. But we're making memories. We already have inside of us the attitude and the personality traits to be all that God wants to be from from a perspective of giving. If you are a spontaneous person, you probably are the kind of person that when you see somebody out by the roadside with a sign and there's something about them that just tugs at your heart from the look on their face to to whatever you feel when you see them, because spontaneous people tend to act on their feelings, you've probably handed out a $10 bill. If you're like me, I keep gift cards to fast food restaurants because I don't like to give out money so I just keep a few $10 gift cards in there and I just hand them a couple meals at Subway or Taco Bell or Wendy's or whatever I happen to have. You already know what it means to be spontaneous. And God says, I want people to be spontaneous in their giving. It's It's a very basic way to start out giving. There's a spontaneous guy who was very generous, talked about in scripture. He's in the book of Luke chapter 10, and you may have heard the story about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan was a guy that just was going along the road, and he saw this guy laying, having been mugged and robbed and beaten and bleeding and near death. After religious people, you know, stepped over him and kept going, this Good Samaritan picked him up, dressed his wounds, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, and this is what he said. In Luke chapter 10, verse 35, The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. He saw a need and he met it. When you go online and watch the Ecuador video from the pastor down there, or you saw it last week, you may have said, we got to give, just right immediately said, my gosh, We've got so much, and that guy's got so little, and, and he's got all these people coming to hear him preach the word of God. Yes, we're giving money. And you just, in a spontaneous way, said, there's a need. I'm going to meet it. But God wants us to move past the level of spontaneous giving to another type of giving. Now, this, this next one I'll identify with other people. Anybody a planner? Like, your freedom comes from planning your spontaneity. I mean, it's like, I'll be spontaneous. Just let me know what day and hour it's coming and I'll be good. You feel accomplished because you've got everything written down for the week, and you know what's coming, and and, and you you just feel better. To a spontaneous person, that feels like you've backed them in a corner, and they feel constrained, and and it's like, oh my gosh, please don't make me plan all this stuff, because what if I want to change it? What if something better comes along, you know? And so, but, but you're a planner. If you're a planner, you love knowing what's coming. You love feeling that sense of accomplishment. And, and both personality styles honor God in a big way and go on great adventures and live the full life. But it takes all these different personality styles, and even those of us that are spontaneous, need to get better at planning. We need to be better 
at planning even our giving. Because there's the spontaneous giver who just sees it and meets the need. That's great. Because there's a lot of needs met because of that. But God wants us to move past that to a place where we plan what we're going to give. In fact, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul is talking to a church in a town called Corinth. And he's telling them, this is how you should give. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's saying, grow to the point where you plan what you're going to give. Now, for some of you, that's very easy. You just either grew up knowing that the Bible says tithe, bring 10% of my income back to God, and you just do it. For some of you, you went past 10% a long time ago. And for some, you haven't experienced that joy of taking that first step. And that's what I hope I see happen in person after person through this catalyst journey is that you take that step across the line and begin to plan what God has called you to give. One of our families who had already turned in their com- uh, commitment card, uh, they, they said, hey, I just want you to know it's the same amount as, it, as it's been the last few years. And the reason is because we already give 20% of our income. And I was like, hey, you can stay home for four weeks. You know, that's fine. You don't have to go through this series because they're there. They've already realized they plan. God has blessed them in a hugely generous way. So they return that and they've been doing it for years. I know one person at the age of 25 said every year, you know, they'd been taught to tithe, bring back 10% of their income to local church their whole life. And they said every year we are going to give God one more percent. And they're a little older now, and they're at 46% of their income being given back to God. Not because one day they saw a video and it touched their heart, and all of a sudden they do it. They're doing it because when they were 25 years old, they decided, we're going to up 1% every year, and they planned it. And another key that the Apostle Paul says is, not just, get, not just plan what you're going to give, but do it how? Cheerfully. Be a cheerful giver. Pre-make your decision what you're going to give, but enjoy doing it. Don't just go, gosh, that video, those kids on the screen made me cry, doing this two-year thing, and yeah, it's my church, so here, we'll take it. But, but God says, be cheerful when you do it, because there's this happiness and this cheerfulness that comes through giving that you can't get anywhere else, that you can't accomplish anywhere else. The reason we gave this card out three weeks ago was so you could think about and pray about. And if you haven't gotten one of these and, and needed to explain to you, we'd be glad out in the lobby, go by the catalyst table and pick one up and we'll explain it to you. But next week when we bring all of our commitment cards back and we bring them down front and put them in what we have down here and, and, and you just say, here's my commitment, we want you to have prayed about it, to have wrestled with it. Hopefully you've been in a small group or some kind of smaller group discussion about what God's doing in your life. And you've filled this thing out through prayer, through wrestling with what God would have you do. And you've planned your giving and what it's going to look like over the next couple of years. But there's another level of giving that God wants each of us to get to. Spontaneous giving makes a big difference. Planned giving just makes things a lot easier for you and for the church and so everybody knows what's coming but there's another level of giving 
that's talked about in Scripture that we all need to grow to. And that's the area of sacrificial giving. And the idea of sacrifice is giving up something I have to something I value more. Now, you understand sacrifice already. You, you get it because if you've ever moved across country or hours away from family for a better job or a better life for your family or, or, or just a better standard of living or a safer place, you understand what it means to sacrifice. If you've ever laid up at night listening to the baby cry by the bed or in the crib or in the next room and getting very few hours of sleep in a week, you know what it means to sacrifice. And you would say it was worth every hour of lost sleep to have this beautiful God-created child in our home. But there was probably never a time for you parents that you said, honey, we got all this extra time to sleep. And, you know, we got all this extra, you know, stuff. So let's, let's have a baby because now we've got extra time to sleep and we've got extra this. So let's just have a baby. That's not how it worked in my family. It was like, we want to have a child. We want to be blessed with a child and we didn't, we didn't wait until we had the time. We didn't wait till we had the money. We were just ready. And we knew God was ready. And we knew we were ready. And we just prayed that God would bless us with a child. And over time, he did. But had we waited till we could do without sleep, it would have never happened. And the same thing is true of our generosity. If we wait until we have a lot of money hoping that some, your ship's going to come in one day. Hey, when I have money, then I'll give. When I have a ton of stuff, then I'll start to give stuff back. Jesus uses the most unlikely person to give us an illustration of what it truly means to give sacrificially. It's recorded in the book of Mark, chapter 12, beginning at verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now imagine this scene. The way they would have taken the offering, they would have had these big, like, big buckets or these big pots. And people would have brought, mostly it would have been like a bag of gold or something, uh, you know, a, an article of value. They didn't have cash. They could have dropped in some coins. But most of the time it was, it was gold or silver or some other precious metal or stone. And so Jesus is standing there watching, just like, let's see how it goes today. Could you imagine if you're, you walk in and it's like, hey, by the way, Jesus is here today. Let's do the offering. Can you imagine? You know, whoever's over the temple that day was like, yes, you know, Jesus showed up. And so all these folks with all this abundance come down and they're putting in all these huge offerings that amount to a large amount of money. And this one little widow comes up and she drops in two coins worth a fraction of a penny, and all of a sudden it grabs Jesus' attention. Not because it was worth anything, but because he understood 
she really feels that. She's giving in a way to where she feels it. She's sacrificing. For many of us, we could leave here today and drop 10 bucks on the pavement and you'd still make your house payment. You would still be able to eat today. You would still be able to pay all your bills. You wouldn't feel $10. Many of us wouldn't feel 100 bucks. You'd be sad that you lost it, but it wouldn't really upset your life. You wouldn't feel the loss of it. Well, she gave in a way to where she felt the loss of what she was giving. In fact, it says she gave everything. God wants us to get to a place where our generosity is something that we feel. Not just extra change thrown in a bucket. Not just an extra auto draft out of our bank account every month. But get to a place where we feel it. Where we recognize, I'm doing without something because I value something else more. So does that mean everybody's got to bring 100% of their income? No. That's not the point Jesus was making. Jesus was making the point, this woman gave everything and she's going to feel it. So that must have meant that the rich people dropping in their stuff, they were just dropping in what they had that was extra. So God is challenging us to give in a way where we feel it. And that gets tough. That gets really hard because I can remember when, you know, the first job, the first time I started getting paychecks, giving seemed to be really easy. I didn't have anything. Start with zero. 10% of that's not hard to come up with. You know, and then you just get a little more. Well, that's not bad. That's not hard. And a little more. But as that grows... And income increases, and God blesses you, and you move up whatever ladder you're on, and and, and you've got more than you had, it gets harder. Because that dollar amount and the zeros behind it tend to increase, and I've seen it over and over again. As people grow in that, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of money to be given away. And so God is saying, no matter where you are on that spectrum, whether you have very little or whether you have a lot, He's not concerned about the amount. He's concerned about you valuing what he offers more than what you have. And that's when we will become sacrificial givers. When I value what I'm giving to more than what I possess. Sacrificial giving costs me something, and it should. In the Old Testament, King David was going to make uh, his animal sacrifice, uh, kill an animal, burn it on an altar. That was strictly an Old Testament thing. People don't do that anymore for, to grab God's attention and to ask God forgiveness because Jesus took care of all that on the cross. But in the Old Testament, they were really into it because God said, bring your best, sacrifice it to me. And David was getting ready to do that because David wanted some sins forgiven. David wanted to worship God. So he goes to this place And he goes to buy some animals that he can go and sacrifice. And he would have bought the best, the most expensive, the ones that would have cost him something. But he goes up to this community leader in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24. And he says, I want to buy some of your animals for sacrifice. And this community leader says, no, king, you can have them. They're yours. It's free. Take them and sacrifice them. And listen how David responds. I will not sacrifice to the Lord burnt offerings that cost me nothing. What David was saying is, if I'm going to sacrifice to God, I want to feel it. 
I want to I want to recognize, hey, I'm giving something up. I want it to be mine and I want to give something that I feel. David understood that. The old woman in the temple that day that was giving her last less than two pennies. She understood, I'm going to give to God in a way that I feel, in a way that costs me something. And God wants us to get to that place where what we're giving to is valued more than what we're giving up. And I'm watching person after person do that. And there's no expectation that everybody gets there at the same time. And sacrifice might mean one thing for you and another thing for you and another thing for me. You know what that means between you and God. You know what it means to sacrifice and give up. And everybody's not going to get there at the same time, but I'm hearing people get there in some amazing ways. The person who, when they heard about Catalyst and they saw the opportunity to make a big difference in the world and in our community and our church family, they walk out in their garage and there's this antique car that had been sitting there, really cool looking little car, and they decide, you know what? We don't need that. Let's sell it and give that money to Catalyst. Or just an email that I got last night about somebody that had this big fat diamond ring, so big they were embarrassed to wear it. And they said, we want to sell that and we're going to give the money to make sure Catalyst meets its goal, to make sure we're able to be all that God's called us to be. And I'm hearing people saying, we're going to go from this percent to this percent. And some of the ones that excite me the most are people who say, we've never given before and we're going to step into giving. And then the person who came up to me out in the lobby between services, and when it comes to financial resources, they just don't have a lot. But they put their arm around me and they said, tell me how I can help. I want to, I want to do more. And their financial amount is not a lot. But God saw that the same way he saw that $20,000 diamond ring or whatever it is. God saw no difference because both are sacrifice. You just have to decide where you are on that spectrum. Time Warner Cable probably is going to hate LifePoint Church. I'm going to get a cease and desist order from telling people to cancel cable. Because there's dozens of people. And I was one of those families. We're sitting around the table and we still have one holdout. I won't tell you which one it is. And, and, and we, I said, look, we're going to do it. And I decided this morning, I was going to say, we're going to be one of those families that ditch our cable. That's like $2,500 over two years. That's really easy. That's simple to do. Grab a free HD antenna, put it in the attic, and look, you still can watch TV. And I thought, if I say something in church today, I can never have cable for the next two years. And if you show up at my house and you see it, you're going to go, you're a hypocrite. You just said. So now... Now, it's going to take a couple of weeks, probably cancel all that out, just so you know. So if you come over in that amount of time, it, it might still be there. But we're one of those families that said we're going to increase our percentage every month, and we are also going to get rid of some things, and that's one of the things that we're going to get rid of. And I've watched person after person jump into this sacrificial giving, and it is so inspirational. We've had leaders in on this Catalyst Vision for several months now. They knew about it. They planned for it even before you heard about it on February the 26th. A few days ago, we all got together and talked about our commitments. We videoed some of them. I want you to take a look at it. When I think about generosity and what it looks like in my life, um, I like to take it to a deeper level. 
Um, I, I feel like my family and I have always given our tithe. We, my husband and I were both taught from a young age to give our tithe and we've always done that and had great joy in doing that, but it's something that has uh, become habit for us and um, doesn't really stretch us. I'm sure there's plenty of other things we could do with that money, but we don't even think about it anymore. And um, God has really been tugging on our hearts recently about giving generously, really generously, and which is a hard thing to do when um, you're a single income family. We have four young children and we've always felt God's blessings in our life. Um, most of the time it felt like we have just enough to get by. But, but we really, with this whole catalyst thing, God has really opened our eyes to see the blessings that he, He's given to us and um, has shown us how abundantly blessed we really are. And for us, giving generously is, is definitely going to take sacrifice in our lives. And we really feel like God is calling us to give sacrificially. Um, we've prayed about it a lot recently and, and are going to continue to pray about how we can be a part of this catalyst vision and um, even even getting our kids involved trying to think of things that we can give up and and things that we can teach our kids to maybe do without so that we have more that we're able to give to the church because of catalyst God is calling us to double our commitment we are have been uh, in a non-sacrificial way feeling like 10% uh, was very appropriate and what we realize is it really should be much more significant than that. For us it's significant and it's sacrificial because we're retired, we don't have a pension plan, we live off our stored resources. And so what we're really doing is digging into our seed corn and giving part of that to the Lord and expect that uh, He'll take care of us in, in whatever way we need to be supported. Because of Catalyst, God is calling us to give more uh, than we've ever given before to a church. Um, I can't say it's a great amount, but it is something that we've had to pray about and we've had to discuss and we realize it's going to be a sacrifice for us, but we believe that's what God's calling us to do. Because of Catalyst, God has called us to figure out some creative ways to increase our income and thus be able to afford to increase our tithing from 10 to 15%. Because of Catalyst, God is calling us to give outside of our comfort zone. Because of Catalyst, God is calling us to give of all of our increases. The small things like rebate checks and the large things like tax returns and the sale of stock through our stock particip participation plan. This Catalyst vision truly is an opportunity for you to give and participate like never before. This is an area where your church family needs you to buy in 100% with this vision and take some big, bold steps. But I also want to recognize there's some of you, when you open up this commitment card and you work through these blanks, and, and as you work through these, uh, it's very self-explanatory. You don't have to show us. that Those are just there for your, like a worksheet. Just that white box there near the bottom is the place that we want you to just fill in what your two-year commitment is going to be. But some of you, when you open this card, it hurts a little because you don't have a job. Because you'd like to put a number in there and you just can't because you don't have anything to put. We pray for you. We understand. God understands. 
So don't let this be something that like fills you up with guilt or shame. Let it be a target to hit. And when God begins to move in your life and the the job changes and all that, just hang on to this card and then fill it out no matter how far it is down the road. There are people praying for you this week as we move towards the 25th when we're coming back with our commitment. Just know this week there are people fasting and praying that God moves in your heart and calls upon you to be a sacrificial giver and give like never before. When you come back next week, we have these little dog tags that we gave out a few weeks ago. They're out at the Catalyst table. If you don't have some, please go get them. We want you to bring one of those back. There's two on a chain. Just pick whichever one of those two. One's a scripture, one's the Catalyst logo. Whatever one you want to bring back, we're going to do something really cool with it. So please bring one of those back next week. Let's pray. God, thank you for this example of what it means to give sacrificially. And Father, no matter where we are, on the spectrum of resources and income. God, help us to take a step that we feel just like David did, that we're sacrificing something to you that costs us something. And God, I pray right now, especially for the person or the people in this room that that just have nothing to give. I pray that you would move in their life and get them to a place where they can boldly fill out that card And thank you for moving in their life. God, be with every person this week as they pray and wrestle through what they're going to do and how they're going to commit to their church family achieving the vision that you've given us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.